0: Well, um, as I have contemplated sharing this five-year vision next year, I really felt like the subject of vision needed a fuller treatment than a single Sunday. And so I'm starting a four-week series today. We're simply calling it the Vision Series. Uh, Andy Stanley, who is Charles Stanley's son, many of you probably know one or both of them. They're both nationally known uh, pastors out of Atlanta. Uh, Andy pastors North Point Church in the northern suburbs of Atlanta. Uh, He tells a story of when he was a teenager, none of the girls that he uh, was ever interested in lived in his part of town. And so he always had to go and see these girls on the far side of town. His, uh, his circle of possible girlfriends came from the realm of the church, and specifically his father's church, but because it was a large church and attracted people from all over the area, it just so happened that the girls he ended up interested in always lived 30 or 40 miles away. But he was interested enough in these girls to put up with the traffic around Atlanta. If you've been through Atlanta, you know the traffic is just notoriously awful, He was willing to put up with the high gas prices, and he was willing to put up with having to leave their houses earlier because he had further to travel to get home in time for curfew uh, than, than he would have had to with a girl on his side of town. And so here's what he writes of that experience. On Friday afternoon, the thought of being across town elicited in my teenage heart emotions that were strong enough to make the headache and expense of driving across town worth it. I was committed to what could be being on the other side of Atlanta with my girlfriend as opposed to what was sitting at home. And then he writes, that's vision. That's vision. And he goes on from there and he offers us a couple of very helpful definitions of vision. And these are on your outline with a couple of fill in the blank spots if you're following along there. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction that it should be. And I can relate very much to Stanley's story. I I really experienced this very same story in my last six months of high school. I had a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by a conviction that it should be, and it caused me every Friday night to get in my car and drive from Pickerington to New Albany to see Michelle. Uh, I endured the long drive, I endured the extra <laughs> gas bill, <laughs> bills, and I had to leave, home, uh, leave her house earlier to get back to my house by curfew. And I should have left 25 minutes early, I would often leave seven or eight minutes early, and, uh, and then had trouble getting back, and one time wrecked a car in the process. It was the other guy's fault, but I wrecked a car. But I did all of this because the vision I had of what could be and should be was a vision of her. Thank you. So vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it. Should be. Not only could this happen, it ought to happen, it needs to happen. And here's another helpful definition of vision, and it's very simple. Vision is a preferred future, it's a mental picture of a future that is desirable, a future that is preferred above other possibilities. And everybody needs to have vision in their lives, a mental picture of what could be fueled by conviction that it should be a picture of a preferred future. And that picture should fuel actions that lead toward the fulfillment of that vision. You know, without a vision, we can easily become aimless people drifting through life with no discernible purpose whatsoever. And for Christians... Our visions, our convictions of what should be, our pictures of a preferred future ought to be God-ordained visions. We need to lay our lives out before the Lord and seek God's vision for our lives. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The two verses preceding that one are the more famous of the verses in Ephesians chapter 2. They tell us that we're saved by grace through faith. This not of ourselves, it's is the gift of God, not by works, so that none of us can boast. And we're thankful for that. But verse 10 then often gets ignored, but it's a very important part of what is being communicated in that, in that passage. You see, we are saved by grace through faith for a purpose. We're saved, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God has prepared in advance good works for each of us to do. God has work for you. God has work for me. God has work for us together. God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. God has a vision for you. And as we seek that mental picture of our own preferred future, we need to get a God-ordained vision, a God-ordained picture of what could be in our lives and what should be in our lives. Here's what Philippians 2, 12 and 13 tell us. My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. As believers, our futures, our pictures of a preferred future have to be formed by God's will, by God's good purpose for our lives. We need a vision and we need it to be a God-ordained, a God-given vision. And we see a lot of examples of God-ordained visions in the Bible. Examples of people who saw a preferred future, believed that something could be and it should be. And devoted themselves to it. I want to just share four of those with you today. The first example is Jesus. In Luke 19.10, Jesus said of himself, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's vision. That is a God-ordained vision. Jesus came to earth motivated by the vision that lost people would be saved. It was that vision of that preferred future. That caused Jesus to leave the splendor of heaven, endure abuse and rejection, endure the suffering of the cross. Jesus saw a picture of people who belonged to Satan being rescued and brought into the kingdom of God. He saw a picture of people who were far from God, separated from God by their sin, being reconciled to God. And that motivated his actions on our behalf. The story of David and Goliath. Is a story about vision. All the fighting men of Israel were afraid to accept the challenge to go out and fight the Philistine champion Goliath. But young David shows up on the scene. He's only there to distribute food, to bring food to his brothers. But while he's there, he hears Goliath's taunts and he volunteers to go out and fight this champion that all the men of all the armies of Israel were afraid to go fight. His brothers were absolutely incredulous at his presumption, but he persisted. He, he ended up in front of the king. He, he tells the king directly that he's willing to go and fight. He tells the king of how God had empowered him to fight off a lion and a bear that had tried to attack his sheep. And, and David said to King Saul in 1 Samuel 17, 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. One of my favorite things is when David goes out into the valley between the two armies to meet Goliath, and he says some really amazing things to him, which kind of offend our 21st century sensibilities, but uh, you know, since my favorite movies are things like Gladiator and stuff like that, I love what David says here. Uh, here's what it is. This, he says this to Goliath, the, 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 the man that everybody else was afraid to fight. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. Here's the key thing to, to understand. None of that had happened yet. Goliath was standing there alive and huge and strong and fearsome. But David had a vision. David could see things other people didn't see. All of the other fighting men of Israel, here's the picture that they saw. They saw themselves going out in the valley to meet Goliath and dying. That's the picture that was in their brain. But David saw a picture of himself able to kill Goliath. He believed it should be because Goliath had defied God. And he believed it could be because he knew his God, he knew the power of his God, and he had seen what God had done in the past. You see, the preferred future for Israel included Goliath being dead and David could see it. It was from God. He had a God-ordained vision. Nehemiah had a God-ordained vision. While serving Artaxerxes, he heard about the walls of Jerusalem being torn down and the gates of the city being burned. And he had a vision of something better, a vision of something that should be and could be. He saw a preferred future. And so in Nehemiah 21, or I'm sorry, 2.17, we read this. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a disgrace. The book of Nehemiah is a fascinating read. While Nehemiah was leading this effort to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he encountered all kinds of opposition, including threats against his very life. Yet he had a God-given vision. And nothing was going to distract him from pursuing the fulfillment of that vision. It was a God-ordained vision to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and thereby remove the disgrace of the people. The Apostle Paul had a God-ordained vision. We find it in Galatians 1, 15 and 16. Paul writes this, God who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his Son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. You see, he was saved, not just to be saved, he was saved for a purpose. He was saved so that he might preach Jesus among the Gentiles. Paul, a persecutor of the early Christians. Jesus reveals himself to Paul, changes him, saves him, reveals the truth to him, and then Paul, who had persecuted early Christians, Jewish Paul had a vision, a vision of taking the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. God-ordained, God-given vision. Paul saw a preferred future. He, He saw a future where Gentiles were adopted into the family of God. And aren't we all thankful that he saw that picture, that he saw that vision? Most of us in here today are the people who were not. God's peculiar people who were not the seed of David. But now we're adopted in. We are. And Paul had a vision, a God-ordained vision. He believed it should be, it could be. And so he gave his life to the fulfillment of that vision. Listen, every single person needs a vision. And every Christian needs a God-ordained vision, a God-given vision. I think there are a good many of us here today who probably do have a clear, God-given vision for our lives. You, you see a preferred future, and you are working toward its fulfillment. If that's true for you, and you know this vision is from God, I encourage you to keep hold of that vision and keep working toward its fulfillment. Some of you don't have a vision for your life. Uh, maybe you want a vision, but you're just not sure what it is yet. Or maybe you've never given it any thought. Either way, you need a vision for your life. You need this to come from God. And all of us together collectively making up Vineyard Christian Church, we need a shared vision, a picture of a preferred future that we believe can be, that we believe should be, a shared vision that we work together to see fulfilled. But there's risk that comes with having a vision. And you need to know this about your personal visions, and we need to be aware of this as I present a vision for our church. So you need to be aware and prepared. If you're a person with a vision, a God-ordained, God-given vision, you are going to stand out. You're going to have more purpose to what you do than what a lot of people around you do. People who choose to not just slough through life tend to stand out. And when you stand out, you become a target of criticism. If you share your vision with others, it's really easy to be on the receiving end of negative attention and criticism. It can come from a parent, it can come from a spouse, it can come from a sibling. If you lead a business and you share a vision of a preferred future for your business with your employees, the the criticism can come from them. When a church shares a vision, the leaders of the church are often subject to negative reactions and criticism of the vision. And so if you're going to have a vision, and if you're going to share your vision, you need to be prepared to get some negative attention, to receive some criticism. And here's why two words Change and gaps. Change and gaps. Vision means change. It's a picture of a future that does not exist in the present. And so central to any vision is change. And how many of you know that we human beings love change? Do we like change? No, no we don't like change. We, we, we don't like it at all. In addition to change, a vision always has a lot of gaps, meaning this. It's a picture of something that doesn't yet exist. It's a picture of something that hasn't yet been done. And a vision isn't the same as a plan And so how the vision is fulfilled is a question that the person with the vision isn't always exactly certain of. And since there are gaps in the plan to fulfill the vision, those gaps create opportunities for criticism. Here's what Andy Stanley writes about this. A God-ordained vision always has more questions than answers. So in most cases... The circumstances support the critics. This applies to your personal lives, vision for your personal lives. God-ordained vision always has more questions than answers. So in most cases, the circumstances support the critics. You see, a vision has no history. You, you can't point to something in the past and say, that's how it will work this time. I've learned this, or at least been reminded of it as we have planted the church in New Lexington. God gave me a vision for Vineyard Church of Perry County. The elders of our church bought into the vision. This congregation has supported that vision. And since we had already planted one church, this one, I was confident that we had a pretty good idea how to do it and that we would go down there and pretty much implement the plan we had and it would work. Nothing has gone the way I anticipated in New Lexington. Nothing. A church is getting established. Praise God. But nothing, well, maybe I should say very little, very little has gone the way I expected. Very little was transferable from the experience here to the experience there. And, And so the... The, the picture, the, the vision of a vineyard church in Perry County uh, had no history. No, no history. And so here's something important for your personal God-given visions and the vision I'll share next week for our church. Every vision needs plans in place to see the vision fulfilled. But the plan or plans must always remain flexible and subject to change. The vision, if it's truly from God, doesn't change. But the plans for fulfilling the vision can change. One of our plans in New Lexington was that we were going to do monthly worship services. And we were going to gauge the interest in the community for having a vineyard church by who showed up at these monthly services. And then we would decide, based on the interest, whether or not to fully launch the church. And and look... We don't do things, you know, just for no reason around here. We, we had, I had read lots of stuff about churches being started in this very same way. It, it's worked phenomenally in many places. Well, what we learned is that folks in New Lexington were not going to come and connect with us while we were deciding if we were going to fully launch a church. So we had to change the plan. We had to start weekly services before we intended to. So the plan changed, but the vision remained. And praise God, it appears that vision is becoming a reality. And if time permitted me today, I could walk you through a whole host of things that we thought would go one way. It's not gone that way. We've had to change, and yet the vision seems to be starting to be fulfilled. So don't confuse the vision with the plan. Plans to fulfill the vision may change, but the vision remains. So, listen, it's no secret that I am preaching this series uh, over these next few weeks to share a vision for the next five years of our church, to get us aligned around that vision, to get us committed to working together to see that vision become a reality. But as I've thought and as I've prayed and as I've planned for sharing this vision, something has really been impressed upon me, and that's the importance of each of us having a personal vision from God for our lives. Jesus, David, Nehemiah, Paul, and you could go on and on with examples from the Bible, they all had God-ordained visions of a preferred future that motivated them to action. We saw it in Ephesians, that God saved us and created us to do good works, that he has a purpose, a unique purpose for each one of us of our lives. And so a question that I'd like to ask all of you to ponder today is what is your God-given vision? What is your God-ordained vision? Uh, I'd like to suggest that every single one of us need a vision from God for our lives, for our family, for our vocation, for our future. So what is your God-given vision? What is your God-ordained vision? Some of you here today I'm sure do have a vision. But perhaps in many cases, you put it on the shelf years ago. Maybe you weren't seeing the progress toward its fulfillment that you hoped for, and and so you have a vision, but you've kind of put it up on the shelf. And I think that God might be saying to you throughout this series, take a hold once again of that vision that I gave you. Take it down off the shelf. Now is the time. Now is the time. Take it down. Pick it up again. Some of you, I think... Your vision is uh, central in your thinking all the time. You you have a clear picture of what God wants, but you have lacked any plan to help see the vision fulfilled. I think God is saying to you in this series, hey, that vision you have, that remains from me, but I need you to start taking some steps to see it fulfilled. I'm going to cooperate with you in seeing it fulfilled. I'm not just going to do it all. I, I need your Participation. By the way, that's a, a, a difference between somebody with a vision and someone who's just a dreamer. A dreamer just dreams, never puts any action to it. But a person who has a vision puts action uh, to that, toward that uh, uh, vision. I think some of us here today have a vague sense of some vision for our lives. And I think God is saying, do you seek me for clarity about your vision? I want it to be more clear for you. And some of you have maybe never given it any thought at all. You're one of those kind of people who your approach to life, and, and there's a lot to commend about these kind of people, so, so don't take this as a criticism. But, but you're just kind of a get up and put one foot in front of the other type of person. Uh, you, you know, you did that today, you'll do it tomorrow, you'll do the next day. And I think God might be saying to you, I am pleased with your consistency. I am pleased with how reliable you are. But I have more for you. I have created you and saved you for more than this. I want to deposit a vision of a preferred future into your spirit. And I want this vision to become something you're passionate about accomplishing for me. So seek me and let me give you that kind of vision for your life. Dare to allow God to deposit a vision for your life into your spirit. I hope as we go through this series that you will hear, embrace, align with, and roll up your sleeves and help us with a five-year vision for VCC. But while you're aligning with our collective vision, I hope you'll also be seeking God for specific vision for your own life. And know that God is going to give you multiple Visions. He'll give you a vision for your vocation. He'll give you a vision for your parenting. He'll give you a vision for your marriage. Uh, he'll give you a vision. And if you're a member of this church, I'm telling you, God wants to give you this. And you, and you need to have this. A vision of how you serve the larger vision of VCC that, that we'll be sharing with you next week. He wants to give each of us a vision of sharing our faith and seeing people come to faith in Christ by our personal witness. And so open up yourself before God and say, God, I want your vision. I want your visions for my life. Our our high schoolers are actually having a class today, so you can tell them I I said this. Uh, those, Those who are in high school they need to begin to think about their future. They need to begin to ask God to show them what he has prepared in advance for them to do. So parent, you need to regularly be encouraging your high schooler to seek God for the vision that he has for them. You see, God intends for us to accomplish some things for him. He intends for his followers to lead purposeful lives, And so it's vitally important that we have God-given vision of a preferred future. And I I pray for every person here that you do or that if you don't, you will very soon as you seek God and, and he provides this for you. Just a couple more points I want to share with you here today. It's really important for a church to have a unified vision. That's why as I share a vision for our next five years next Sunday, it is really important for you, if you're a part of this church, you're a a member of this congregation, to receive and embrace this vision, to to get behind it, to join us in working towards seeing it fulfilled. You see, visions thrive in, in an environment of unity, but visions die in an environment where there's division the 133rd psalm says how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity romans 15:5 may the god who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow christ jesus so that with one heart and one mouth you may glorify the god and father of our lord jesus christ to have one heart, we're to speak the same thing. And so I appeal for open hearts next week as you receive our five-year vision, and I appeal for unity, for every person to say yes and amen. I assure you there's going to be nothing in this that is not pleasing to God and consistent with his word. And so it's going to be a vision that you should very readily, very easily be able to say yes and amen to, and then join together with all your other brothers and sisters as we work to see God fulfill this vision as he empowers us uh, to walk this path. And I want to briefly here explain the difference between mission and vision. Our mission statement here at Vineyard is that we exist to introduce people to Christ, and develop them into mature disciples of Jesus who will then continue that process with others. I personally am always amending this now to say develop them into maturing disciples of Jesus, not mature, because I've looked around the place, including at my own self, and I don't see one fully mature disciple of Jesus. So we're trying to develop maturing disciples of Jesus. So our mission statement is basically the Great Commission. And we share this mission with with every other Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church. And since we have been a church, we have had this little slogan or this little catchphrase or motto, whatever you want to call it. We've called it our vision statement. It's on the front of your bulletin. It's connecting people with God and each other. It has been a simple way, maybe a little bit more memorable way for us to articulate the basics of our mission statement. And it's been a statement that we have used to to try to gauge whether or not we're having any fruit as a church, whether we're having any success as a church. Success is seeing people connect with God, is seeing people connect with each other. So... So this statement isn't going away. This is still fundamental to what we're doing here, but it is a very general picture. It's a very general statement. And so what I'm going to be presenting next week is a much more specific picture, one that is unique to our church. The the basics of what I share certainly are shared by other churches, but there will be specific details next week that are unique to us. And that's the difference between mission and vision. Mission is what we share in common with all churches, the Great Commission, while vision is a preferred future that is specific to us, specific to Vineyard Pataskala. This next Sunday, I believe, is going to be a great day. And I don't think you're going to want to miss it, and I hope that you won't. We're calling it Super Sunday because next week as many of you know, is Super Bowl Sunday. We are having one service at 10.30 a.m. We are encouraging you, as I mentioned uh, earlier, to, to great laughter and applause. We are encouraging you to wear your favorite team gear, unless it's Steelers gear, and then just come in what you normally wear. The, uh, the inside, Steve Bonasso, I'm thinking about you. Uh, the The inside and outside of the building will be decorated in football themes. And after service, we are going to be serving, with the help of the Amherst Village Connect Group, we're going to be serving game day type foods. Read that, unhealthy foods. But they will be tasty and it will be fun. And we're going to have football themed activities. It's going to be a good time. During the service, I'm going to launch off of some football-related themes to share our five-year vision. And while I'll do so uh, more in subsequent weeks, I'll likely share a little bit of information about uh, some of the initial plans we think are going to be in place to help see the vision fulfilled, some things that we think are going to be necessary to see the vision fulfilled. So I think you're going to want to be here. It's it's really important, really, if you have any interest at all, in receiving, embracing, aligning with, and being part of our vision, it would be great if you could be here uh, next week. And I want to give you a little bit of information about the service specifically so you know what to expect and you won't be surprised. I mean, we're a vineyard church, so I don't think any of what I'm going to share with you should, should be uh, surprising or troubling to you. But just in case, I'm going to give you a little advance notice. Next week is going to be different than what Sundays usually look like here. As I've already mentioned, the building, including the auditorium here, will be decorated with a football theme. This room, which some of us call an auditorium and some of us call a sanctuary, will be decorated that way. We are going to have, I hope, I think, if we're capable of it, we're going to have some fun during the service. We are going to have some participation games During the service, we are going to give away some prizes and have some giveaways during the service. And so, if you're tempted to be concerned about those kind of activities during a Sunday morning worship service for whatever it's worth, let me assure you, as your pastor, it is okay for this space to be used for fun, even during our Sunday morning worship services. It is okay. To have fun in church. Amen. This this building is not a sacred space where no fun is permitted. Okay? That's not how we view buildings uh, here at the vineyard. It is simply a tool, a facility, a building that we use to gather together for a variety of Christ honoring reasons. And next week's fun and vision sharing is a Christ honoring use of our space. So I just didn't want you to be surprised what you uh, find next week, and so I wanted to share that with you. I hope everyone's going to be here. Uh, I'd encourage you to bring a friend. Uh, you, you know, a message on vision uh, might not be the kind of message you would typically think as an invitational event, but there's not going to be anything in this message that'll be uncomfortable for your guests. And with the different fun things that we're doing, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for you to invite someone, so I would encourage you to do that. So we're going to have fun. Why don't you stand?